Listen to Mark and Neanderthal when you get to work. They're illegal. With the free KSLX app. 100.7 KSLX. So we popped into the studio yesterday. Uh, Paul, you got here at 4 o'clock or something like that. And I was able to get here about, you know, 4.50 or 5 o'clock or something like that. And we spent a couple hours, a few hours, playing uh, Van Halen tracks in commemoration of the passing of Eddie Van Halen. And we took some phone calls. One of them it was a guy who was talking about the song Eruption, which is that, of course, guitar virtuosity on that first album right sure. before You Really Got Me. Right. And he, uh, you know, it was, these were some of the comments about the song Eruption, that he, he became a guitar player because of it. Was one of the songs that just opened me up to this day. I mean, I, I could never play it right and never will. Most people don't. I, 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 <laughs> you know, most people don't. Yep. But it's just one of those songs that's just, it's a masterpiece. I don't think you've walked into a guitar shop anywhere uh, since 1978 and not heard somebody try to play Eruption. It's sort of like required. It, it may have replaced Stairway to Heaven right. or, or Smoke on the Water as the riff that is the most annoying thing that you hear in a guitar store because it's not played properly. Actually, you know what the most annoying thing is? What? It's this. Okay. We got an email yesterday from this guy named Peter. He says, when my son Sam was 12... He was ready to graduate sixth grade. He asked if I would buy him a guitar if he earned straight A's. Twelve. Well, he did, and so I did. Van Halen quickly became his favorite band, and he practiced eruption continuously. He says vociferously, too. Twelve. He practiced it many times. His nickname in our house became Eddie. Here is Sam's 30th take of eruption recorded on his iPod at age 13. The iPod is sitting on the floor. You'll hear it malfunction here, but but wait. Twelve. No, he's thirteen when he's doing this. Uh. Doesn't make it any less annoying, though. I don't want to wish arthritis on Peter's son, but there's a little, there's a tiny little part of me, tiny little part of me. Of how does a, how does a 13 year old do oh, that? It's that's unbelievable. Not fair. Yeah, that's not fair. That doesn't work at all. And you go on YouTube and you see kids doing that all the time, and it yeah. blows your mind. And uh, you know, it, it, some kids are, some people are. They're just more able to do it, you know, and just more better. They're better suited to it, have a gift for it, and they practice harder. And that's it. That is what it takes because Eddie Van Halen, it didn't just happen. As you'll you'll find out this morning, is a long history of music in his family. I mean, from when he was a very young child, it was music, music all the time. You know, his his dad was a classically trained musician and a professional musician and passed it along to his sons. A lot of people have been calling and texting yeah. uh, about uh, the loss of Eddie Van Halen. Uh, you know, a big one, a big one for us. I mean, I, in the past couple of years, we've had Glenn Fry, Tom Petty, David Bowie, Malcolm I mean, Young. It's crazy. I mean, as we get as, as these years go by, we're going to start losing more of our legends. Yeah, and and this was one that we didn't see coming. Uh, basically, Eddie Van Halen had cancer. We knew he had cancer for a long time. He had been fighting it for a long time, uh, and it then it it basically over the past three or four days, apparently, it took a real big turn for the yeah. worse, uh, and it had spread throughout his body. And we lost him yesterday at sixty five. You know, aside from being an amazing guitar player um, and songwriter, 
he was also a really good storyteller. And if you if you if you go on YouTube and just type in Eddie Van Halen Smithsonian, you'll see an interview. I think it's from 2017. So he is 62 years old at the time. Mature. Um introspective and the interviewer does a really good job of just letting him go and he tells these incredible stories of his life and he was born in in holland i guess or maybe even before that he was born somewhere else but his dad nimjin i think is that is the, is the name of the town so his dad married uh it was you know from holland his dad married a woman from indonesia yes so they're living in holland barely scraping by his his you know his mom is treated like a second-class citizen due to yeah. racism and so forth and discrimination yep so his dad decided to take them to america and his dad was a professional musician yep so um well hopefully i filled in the blanks and he can fill in the rest of them here he said to my mom let's uh pack up the kids and the piano and move to beverly (laughs) (laughs) except it wasn't beverly hills that is we came to america uh, on, on a boat nine days on the boat uh, he, he, he performed on the boat with the band, and uh, that was our ticket over here. And uh, one day he comes up to Alex and I, and he goes, so why don't you guys play piano during the intermission? So we ended up performing also on the boat. And, yeah. and because of that, they all of a sudden he goes, and we learned the benefits of performing. We played, and the next night we were sitting at the captain's table for dinner. As so kids. He, as kids, as kids they, yeah. they, learned, they learned the value that people put in a performer. Their talent, yeah. Yeah, so, um, and it's really an interesting interview. He talks a lot about, you know, playing piano, mostly, as a youngster, and his mom demanding they get classical piano lessons. And that's why Eddie Van Halen, as a guitar player, had this, he had a swing and a thing that none of those other shred guitar players had, which was the ability to write a song. He understood mm-hmm. what it was like to put to, to write a song. And I, I, you know, you mentioned Eddie's dad. Um, there is one instance in the, man, the band's musical career where Eddie, Alex, and Jan Van Halen actually performed together. Uh, we won't play the whole song because it's kind of like a, a 30s ditty, but that's, that's Eddie's dad. Yeah. Right there. I imagine this is what it sounded like on the boat. When they were well, coming over. Eddie Van Halen talks a lot in that interview about when he was a youngster playing all kinds of oompa music. That's what um, this is. Yeah, with his dad. And, and Alex would play drums. Eddie would play bass. And Alex would be calling out, you know, the chords. Go to the fourth chord, you know, this and that. Right, and, yeah. And uh, he goes, you know, but once they heard the Dave Clark Five and the Beatles and things like that, they wanted to play rock and roll and they drifted in that direction. And that's when Eddie originally started with drums and found Alex had the talent for that and he had the talent for guitar. Yeah, and they, they were they were something special. Uh, a band that could uh, that did exactly what ACDC did, which was they rocked out with guitar and then they played music that caused people to dance. And even Jan Van Halen could do it. <laughs> He's shredding. Yeah. And this is off Diver Down, right? Yeah. Another one of those covers from yeah. Diver Down. Yeah. yeah. Great song, though. And this is, what other hard rock band was doing this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Not many. There was a sense of humor that was inherent in the band that, you know. Yeah. I don't think Anthrax ever did that. No, I don't think so. Although Anthrax did have a sense of humor, but not quite, <laughs> not quite a swing sense of humor. Yeah. So. A lot of people calling in about, uh, you know, having seen Van Halen over the years. The rock world lost an icon. I saw, I very first saw them at the Celebrity Theater. 1978. 
Yep, the year that uh, somebody put out, somebody stole Eddie Van Halen's guitar strap. You know, we've got Danny Zalisco coming up. He actually booked that show in 1978. It was the special price of $3.93. We're going to talk to him in a little bit. Looking forward to hearing it. Yeah, 78. That was a a KDKV show. Special price of $3.93. Imagine that. Excuse me. Imagine that you could go see Van Halen for four bucks. Right, you know, buy, when, it, when, it, when ticket prices got up to ten bucks, we were like, "That's that's outrageous. We'll never pay that." Right. It, it, it's funny because I got an email here from a woman named Diane who said, "You know, I first saw them for the first time in 1979 here in Phoenix at a little exhibition hall in Civic Plaza. There weren't many people there. She's probably got her years mixed up because Maybe. by yeah. 1979, Van Halen were international superstars. They were opening for Black Sabbath." Um, in 79? Uh, well, they actually had their first their own world tour. The 79 World Invasion type deal was happening. Uh, they kicked that off, I want to say, in like Providence, Rhode Island. And yeah, by that I mean, point. maybe so I'm were, wrong, you know, but I think I think it'd be highly unlikely for not many people to be at a Van Halen show by 1979. Unless unless it was like one of those, they were an opening band on a big tour and they did a one-off on a night off. You know, that sometimes, maybe, sometimes yeah. that would happen. Yeah. Try and grab a couple extra bucks, you know, play a club show or something like that. But by that point, Van, by the time Van Halen 2 had come out, that was a, they were they were a known entity. When we were on the air yesterday, we came in and did some stuff in the afternoon as a tribute to Eddie Van Halen. Uh, after hearing the news, um, people were calling it about the the shows they had seen over the years, right? Right. And and the interesting thing about it is, I think that if there's every Van Halen experience kind of went this way. September of '82, Diver Down tour. They played the Coliseum here, like. September 6th or 7th, it was like the first week okay. of September. Anyway, they played the Coliseum, and me and a bunch of other uh, like-minded, dope-smoking rock and rollers <laughs> ditched school that day. We didn't care. We'll deal with the consequences later. So we did school. We did in line pretty much all day, ran in when the doors opened, and we damn sure were right on the rail, front row, between uh, pretty much between Michael Anthony and Dead Center. But, of course, Eddie, you know, worked his way around. Right. But that was a pretty amazing day. I think I got two days suspension from school and got grounded for two weeks, but it was worth it. Yeah, that's it. It, it involves <laughs> – usually it involves cutting school, uh, some substance, whether it was, was smoke or drinking, uh, then getting caught, getting in trouble, getting suspended and or grounded. And it always ends with, it was worth it. It was worth it. It was worth it. I, I'm trying to find – okay, here we go. September 7th, 1982, Van Halen at Arizona Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Phoenix, Arizona. I just looked it up on setlist.fm. They opened up with Romeo's Delight. Yeah. Now, there, there's a, a everything about Van Halen was intended to be fun, and there was an innocence behind it. It was like even when they were objectifying women in their videos, like when Motley Crue <laughs> would show women and girls, 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 it was salacious and it was dirty, and there was something that made you look Exploitive. away. Exploitative. Yeah, Exploitative, yeah. Where, Exploitative. Where, where, where your parents would say, well, don't guys, don't grow up to be like that. But when you saw Van Halen exploiting uh, uh, Lillian Miller as Miss Phys Ed, you looked at it and went, oh, that's cute. And hot like, for teacher. They got away with everything. Yeah. They got away because they smiled. Yes. And there was an innocence to it. And and uh, and we will not see a band like that again. Yeah. You know. Uh, you know, and, and speaking strictly as a heterosexual male, Eddie <laughs> Van Halen kind of had that sort of cuteness that the early Beatles had. Yes. That 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 gave him the license to do some stuff like that and get away with it. He was non-threatening. Yeah. There was nothing dangerous about Van Halen. You know, it was rebellious without being felonious. You know? Talking about Eddie Van Halen this morning, passing away yesterday at age 65. And you had a 
Is this a friend of yours who met him? Yeah, my friend Jason. He lives in Japan. He used to work for the Ibanez Guitar Company and a company called Ishibashi Music over in Japan. And he had an opportunity to run into Eddie Van Halen outside of 5150. It was not an uncommon thing for people to show up there. Uh, obviously, media, guitar magazine, stuff like that. And Eddie would meet him at the front end of the driveway. Well, Jason, I don't know why he showed up there, but he got to spend an entire day and he hung out with Eddie. And he uh, he didn't want to exploit any of the video. But he had a moment with Eddie that explains pretty much how humble and aware Eddie was of who he was, but also humbled by his talent. You know what I think is funny? You know, when people come up to me and they go, so what does it feel like to be a rock star? I go, I don't even know what that is. Well, it's just your everyday life, right? I make music for a living, you know? But it's just inherently part of me, you know what I mean? I, I, I honestly can't claim to to be responsible. I, I mean, I don't mean to get deep on you, but where do ideas come from? You know? If they came from me, every idea I came up with would be great. They are, pretty much. I well, mean, come on, you haven't, heard, you haven't heard some of the stuff that, that <laughs> hasn't been, been released. released. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, there is, you know, I'm not to get deeper. This is a higher power. You know, I was, I was chosen to do this. You know, and, and, and obviously many, many other you know, very talented people around the world. You know, he, he was he was aware of how great he was, but he was also, I think, in awe of what he was able to do. Yeah, you know, it's funny. My uh, my wife texted me, and she, by the way, happy birthday to my wife. She's celebrating today. Oh, look at you! And uh, she said, "Don't forget about Back to the Future." And I was like, "Oh, that's a, <laughs> that's a good point because, well, it, just in general, Van Halen got so big they were part of pop culture. Um, that's the thing. The, it was the, a joke we all get into this this Piccoli reference in, in Fast Times. In Fast Times, yeah. He blew all his reward money hiring Van Halen to play. At his birthday party, right? Something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. He, well, he say just because he say Brooke Shields from from drowning, <laughs> from drowning, from blew drowning. The reward money, and blew the reward money hiring Van Halen <laughs> to play a party. That is, in essence, that is Van Halen. But then there's the other one. Think about this for a second. All right, uh, what year was Back to the Future? Okay, eighty five, I think, was the okay. movie. So it's probably being made sometime in eighty four. All right, so Eddie Van Halen famously was not quote unquote allowed to play outside of Van Halen. There was a there was a situation where Dave was very protective. This was part of the reason why they split up. Dave was very protected and said, you know, you, what you do with Van Halen is unique to Van Halen. Don't do it with other people. So Eddie got a hair across his ass and decided, all right, first and thing, first things first, I'm going to go hang out with with Michael Jackson and play a solo on Beat It. And he did that without, quote unquote, permission. And then uh, Robert Zemeckis asked him to take part. I'm guessing it was Michael J. Fox that asked him to take part in Back to the Future. So there's this little scene um, where where George McFly has to be told uh, to do something in a certain way. And he's visited by an apparition from outer well, space. Well, it's Michael J. Fox yes. dressed up as a spaceman. And he's got the he puts the. Um, he's got a Sony wa- Walkman Sony that he Walkman brought puts, with him. Puts the headphones on George's ears while he's sleeping. And then you hear this. Who are you? And that was actually Eddie Van Halen. People were like, "Wow, you know that part of Back to the Future where they kind of where it kind of sounds like Eddie Van Halen?" It turns out it was. Yeah, and he did it under the radar. He did it on the sly. Um, probably didn't get paid for it because then there would be a paper trail. Yeah, that would it. get back to the guys in the band. Uh, yeah, and and I I don't know that he ever got paid for doing Beat It. He did not. Yeah, he did so. not get paid for doing Beat It. And, and check this out: he changed the arrangement of the song. What balls Eddie Van Halen has! He walks yeah. into the recording studio. Uh, the band that actually played on Beat It is. Toto 
It's Steve Lukather and the guys in Toto who were friends with Eddie Van Halen. So Quincy Jones calls Eddie Van Halen to come in yep. and do the solo. And Eddie goes, hey, do you mind if I try playing over this part instead of that part? He's telling Quincy Jones he wants to rearrange the song. Worked out pretty good for him, no, though. Quincy Jones didn't know much. I think so. <laughs> so Van Halen pop culture references are all over the yeah. place. One hundred point seven KSLX, and let's go right to uh, Danny Zalisco. He's got a, a brand new book out called All Excess. You can get it at, I believe it's DZPLive.com. But he booked Van Halen, if not their first show, if not their first show, one of their first shows in Phoenix. Uh, Danny, let's talk about the seventy-eight shows at the Celebrity Theater. Was that Van Halen's first time through the Valley? Yes, um, you know we had we considered doing some shows over at Dooley's, um, but it just felt like there was something bigger. And all of a sudden, they hey, we're not going to do the club, but uh, we're going to do the theater. And they ended up the first show sold out immediately. Well, for three dollars so and ninety three cents, that makes sense. Three ninety three. Okay, in today's terms, that would be four hundred dollars, right? Uh, probably, yeah, <laughs> probably with the VIP package, of course. That's dude. right. So, question: How much does a band make on a night like that? I mean, at four bucks a show, four bucks a head, uh, times what? It three thousand people, if that. Well, twenty five. Uh, so it's twenty thousand dollars in ticket sales. It all went to show costs. I think they got gas money. Wow! So they didn't get paid they that much night. Got gas money, but but look what it set them up for. Yeah, you know, that that was one of those gambles that paid off. All right. All right, so give us a quick, you know, Eddie Van Halen after the show kind of story. Yeah, an encounter, an encounter with EVH. You know, um, he wasn't as wild as Dave, you know, when, when I was around him. Duh. I, I didn't, obviously I didn't see everything, but at, at Van Halen shows, their guys would go around the audience, like in the Coliseum, we did some amazing shows there. Right. And, and they would pass out... To, uh, passes to the prettiest people in the audience, yep. generally women. And uh, after the show, they in their dressing room, they had a PA bigger than most club bands have <laughs> in the dressing room, <laughs> completely stocked. I mean, the after show dressing room was a couple thousand dollars back then. Now we know how they didn't make money. <laughs> They made plenty, man. <laughs> and and uh, and those those shows would go on till four. Uh, the after show would go till four or five in the morning. Um, we'd have to set that up with the building ahead of time and say, by accepting this show, your security's staying overnight. <laughs> wow! So uh, it was great, great so, fun, great sleepovers, if you know what I mean. Sure. So, Danny, yeah. we know that um, we know they played the Coliseum in '82. I'm guessing. I'm just assuming that was your show yes okay uh, th that was that with my friend brian murphy from avalon in la he was the guy that really had the great connection with them all right, right. at that point in time 1984 hasn't come out yet but they are a huge band what would a band like that get at that point in time in 1982 uh, you know i mean tickets were only like eight bucks maybe 10 bucks maybe they'd walk out with 30 or 40 grand Maybe. 50 grand. Oh, times is hard. Yeah, Danny. that's a yeah. <laughs> but still I mean, a still a know, nice it, night's work. That that was uh, I mean now that was serious money there. I mean most groups when they played the Coliseum back then, Bob Seger, uh, uh, Iron <laughs> Iron Maiden came in for seventy five hundred bucks. Wow, wow! But well, it was five bucks a ticket. 
Yeah. Well, that's yeah, a that's know, a far cry from the US Festival where they made 1.7 million. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean thing, things moved along in the world and here we are, but back then, I mean they were at the top of the financial game as well. I mean, who knew a rock band could make that kind of money back then? Wow. That was a new thing. It's you know. Yeah, it's it's amazing. So, Danny, we appreciate you checking in. Again, all excess is your book that's out. You've got some Van Halen stories in there, correct? A couple of nice pictures, yeah. Excellent. Well, Danny, uh, thanks for sharing I, with you us. You know, I got to tell you something. With with writing that, especially about groups like Van Halen, a lot of things are better left unwritten. <laughs> yes. Well, that's the that's the great thing about about Van Halen, uh, especially Eddie Van Halen. Everybody we've spoken to has a story that involves some sort of miscreant behavior, and the end of every story ends with totally worth it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And and what a nice guy. Yeah. What a nice guy, and what a player. Jesus. Yeah, he was pretty good. All right, Eddie, uh, Danny, thank you very much for checking in. Danny Zalisco. Keep Danny Zalisco presents. Take care. See you, man. All right. You know, one of the few guys in the world right there with better hair than Eddie Van Halen. Yes, yes. Eddie had Eddie had that shag cut, that thing going there. He was, I'm not going to lie to you. It did, a, get, it did get thin in the later years, but it, he still had it. I'm not going to lie to you. As a completely heterosexual man, there was sometimes it was tough to tell the difference between Eddie and Valerie Bernalli. Absolutely, man. They, they, they looked were alike. Both, and they were both so friggin' cute. Yes. They, they, no, they looked alike. It was crazy. Everybody said that. Yeah. So we uh, we were on the air yesterday uh, talking about uh, the death of Eddie Van Halen, uh, who left us at the age of 65, complications from cancer. And we had more than a few people call and tell us that they had a golfing experience behind Eddie Van Halen and some guy from here in the Valley who spends a little bit too much time on the golf course named Alice Cooper. Hi, Alice. Good morning. How are you? Hi, guys. You know, I mean, that's always we always going to remember Eddie as being the greatest guitarist of that generation. Certainly, you know, um, he was a good golfer, though, right? Um, well, that's what this story's about. <laughs> All right. You know, good. He wanted he really wanted to play in the worst way. And he did play in the worst way. Oh, look at uh, you throw it. Look, at, come on, Alice. The man is no longer with us. You're throwing some some smack. He can't defend himself. I know that, but I think that the story's funny enough, though, you know, because he came out and it was a twofold thing. First of all, he wanted to play golf because he knew I played every day and he wanted to, you know, get better. And he wanted a guitar lesson from Glenn Campbell. Wow. Wow. Glenn Campbell was so well thought of and guitar players knew how good Glenn was. Right. And Eddie would say he does things that I can't do. Uh, I'd like to get a guitar. And he knew I played golf with Glenn, you know. So I said, yeah, I can get you a guitar lesson. You know, I thought that was pretty unique right there. Um, after he got done playing, you know, he says, well, what do you think of my game? And I said, <laughs> Eddie, you are one of the greatest guitar players I've ever heard. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, but what about my game? And I went, Eddie, some of the songs you've written are so good. <laughs> that it's just amazing. <laughs> I couldn't tell him. And then and then he puts himself in the Bob Hope tournament, which is they're going to keep the count on, you know, the celebrities. Yeah. And the poor guy is on his 11th shot on a par four. And I, you which, know, for I, those I, that I don't know golf, that's not good. Yeah. 
Uh, the, oh my gosh, you know, the par four and he's an 11th shot and he can't hit the ball. And I'm going, and of course they're training the cameras on him because it's so funny. And, and I, I should have told, I didn't know you were going to do that. I, was gonna, I should have said, don't put yourself on television, whatever you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he did have the red and white striped golf club. So yes, it was which, cool. Yeah. So, so, for you know, yeah. I, I admired the fact that he tried and tried and tried and, you know, that was it. But, you know, I'll tell you what, the, I, I don't think I ever saw him without a cigarette. And, you know, dying of throat cancer, that's got a lot to do with it. Well, you know, you know? And this is one of those things we talk about, uh, Alice. It didn't have to happen if you go and you get screened and stuff like that. It had spread to a point in his body where it basically overwhelmed him. Um, and we all know, you know, you are one of those guys that, that famously gave up substances and are healthier and lived longer because of it. Uh, Eddie Van Halen was one of those guys that wasn't able to do that. Um, and it unfortunately you know, took us too early. He was a true rock and roller. I mean, he was like, uh, if I have to give up smoking, I don't want to live. That kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and, and it's, that's easy to say when you're young. Did you ever play you, together? You always. Uh, oh, we did. Uh, yeah, we did festivals together, you know. And uh, No, I mean, on stage with him. Did you ever jam with, with Eddie Van Halen? Oh, I never. No, I never did. And I really wished I would have. I, I played with almost every single guitar player you can think of. Right. You know, at some point. And never uh, got around to Eddie. And, I, you know, here's the weird thing. Uh, I hardly, I've only met one guy in that band, and other than Eddie. I, I met uh, uh, the bass player. You oh, know. Michael Anthony. Michael, Anthony. sure. Yeah, Michael Anthony. Uh, and I met uh, uh, that, that fabulous lead singer one time. Okay. You've only and met, you've only met Dave? The- you've never met Sammy? Uh, I... Oh, well, I know Sammy really well. I mean, but but as far as, um, you know, Dave, Dave was the, one of the great front men of all time. We just weren't in the same circles. Wow. And, the, and the last time I saw him, we had, it was Foo Fighters' birthday party at the Forum. And I went up and did two or three songs with the Foo Fighters. And I passed this guy in the hall that was totally bald-headed. Yep. And he says, hey, Alice, how you doing? I went, oh, hi, how you doing? Hi, hello. I had no idea it was Dave. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. He hadn't put his hair on he yet. Didn't put his hair so. on that that, that <laughs> no, night. Yeah. I mean, was, but you know, I, honestly, a lot of people knock Dave. He is one of the great frontmen of all time. Sure. He is. Yeah. You know. He is. So Alice, and we have Alice Cooper on talking about Eddie Van Halen. Did you? So you were sort of the broker for this guitar lesson that Eddie Van Halen wanted to take from Glenn Campbell. Did it come off? Did it happen? You know, I, I, at that point, I know that Danny Zalesko and I uh, got in touch with with Glenn. And I don't know if it ever did happen. But, you know, the fact that Glenn could play the Battle Hymn of the Republic and the National Anthem at the same time (laughs) on an acoustic guitar uh, was, you know, incredible. He was was considered, Glenn was considered one of the great guitar players in in, uh, music, not just rock and roll or country, just guitar player. And and guys like Eddie Van Halen saw that and they went... That's, Man, that's, I want to take a lesson from that guy. That's one of the things that I always remember you saying, Alice, for all of those guys that were great guitar players, where's the song? And Eddie could yeah. not only play, but he could write great songs. Yeah, and he wrote on piano. You know, I mean, he sat down at the piano and wrote those, a lot of those songs on piano. He didn't write them on guitar. All right, well, he was a musical. He, he was musically really, uh, he really knew what he was doing. And, well, and he revolutionized that guitar. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the last guy that revolutionized guitar was Jimi Hendrix. Yep. 
So Alice, and then uh, Eddie comes along and changes everything. Yeah, no, it's we were talking about a Matt Rushmore of guitar players. Those guys have the first two reservations. So, oh, um, absolutely. And then you got to put Jeff Beck up there, and you know, I mean, you, you're talking about it would be really hard to pick five of the the, the five greatest. But right. I would put those three in there. <laughs> Alice, we appreciate you checking in so much. Thanks for the golf story about Eddie Van Halen. That was fantastic. You have a great morning, okay? Okay, and I'll see you tonight on the air. All right, be Perfect, well. Perfect, Alice. Thanks Thank you very Alice. much. Nights with Alice Cooper here at KSLX. If there was any doubt that the first album meant we had a great band on our hands, the second album was like, yeah, we do have a great band on our hands. Van Halen from Van Halen 2 right there. Recorded in about 10 days. Yeah, they had. Yeah, a, they, they were one of those bands that they, they had worked their asses off so long in the clubs and had, had basically woodshedded to the point where they were ready to go. Well, you know what? When Van Halen was on tour, it was always a big deal. In fact, we've been getting all kinds of stories this morning from people about various times that they saw Van Halen live. Yeah, I saw. we saw Van Halen the... In 1986, the 5150 tour at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. Right. And uh, I, I lost both of my shoes. I was listening to you earlier, and naturally, we were right on the rail, right up front, and we got tipped over and barely survived. And the only time I ever went back into a show after everyone left, because I had dirty black feet, I went and looked for my shoes, and one was on the east end of the Cow Palace, and one was on the west end of the Cow Palace. I grabbed my shoes, and uh, a single cab Toyota pickup truck driving back from San Francisco to Monterey, and we barely made it, and um, it was worth it. I have occasionally been at a show where I may have been above the legal limit, and yet have never lost my shoes. How did that happen? Well, when we, you know how crowded it gets, you know, at, at a big show and we fell over. And when I went to stand up, somebody stepped on my feet and I lost my shoes. <laughs> oh, flat tires. So I spent the rest of the show with no shoes on. Sure. And, but I couldn't drive home without shoes. So I had to go find them after the show. And amidst all the cups and brassieres and panties, I managed to find both shoes. Gross. <laughs> Thanks, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. The only thing that was missing uh, from that story was worth it. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> it was worth it. It was worth it. You know, um, here's Actually, something. I think you did say that in there, but. Uh, here's something that uh, may or may not have been noted. Uh, yesterday, we lost another member of the music community, and unfortunately, he becomes the. The Farrah Fawcett to Eddie Van Halen's Michael Jackson. Remember, Farrah Fawcett died a little bit before Michael Jackson on the same day, and and nobody mentioned it at all. Might have been the day before, but either way, it got completely obliterated by Michael Jackson's coverage. We don't even have to. We we never play this guy. This is not a guy that we would ever recognize as being part of what we do here at KSLX. But the minute I start playing the song, you'll you'll know it. I know this guy. It sucks. You ready? We all know it. Yep. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. We lost Johnny Nash Johnny yesterday. Nash. Yeah. No obstacles. I can see all obstacles in my way. Yeah, he passed away too, and it's one of those cases of... 
Yeah, somebody bigger passed away on yeah. the same day, yeah. so you're not yeah. going to get any coverage on it. And, you know, he was actually something of a forerunner. There's a Calypso sort of island feel in this yeah, song. Yeah, absolutely. He also recorded, I think it's a Bob Marley song called Stir It Up. Sure. And that was, you know, sort of a, a gentle, that was a, a soft opening for reggae in the United States, right? Because yeah. it wasn't until the late 70s that people were like, I've heard of that reggae stuff. <laughs> you know, I'm when, sure. When, when Clapton did Shot the Sheriff and so forth. So. With all due respect, nobody mentions oh, me because Van Halen died. Exactly. Yeah. So that's uh, we lost Johnny Nash as well yesterday. Uh, and that's about the most fitting tribute we're going to be able hey, to give you. Know you know what? You know what? That's a great song. I love it that It certainly song. is. And, it's, and a great, uh, it's a great sentiment. You know, it ain't Van Halen, at least in my world. No. But worth noting. For those of you that don't know, up to date, uh, Eddie Van Halen died yesterday at the age of 65, complications from cancer. Um, we're, we're getting a little of uh, some of the details. Um, David Lee Roth had mentioned to us back in September that Eddie wasn't going to be doing well. I'm the face of Van Halen from this point on, most likely. I'm not sure what's happening with Ed, but he's probably not going to answer the bell this time. Yeah, that was at David Lee Roth in September of last year. And as it turns out, Eddie had been dealing with some health issues, uh, ended up in the hospital, um, and reports are that he had a stroke a little while back and had been, you know, they've been trying to treat him from that and that the cancer had spread and eventually took him uh, way too young at 65. Yeah. A few years ago, 2017, Eddie Van Halen was 62 years old, you know, old enough to have gotten past his wild phases and settled down a little bit and 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 be able to be introspective, reflective. And there's a great interview on YouTube if you want to check it out. Just Eddie Van Halen, Smithsonian is all you need, but it's about, it's called Rock and Roll, Reinvention, and the American Dream. And the woman interviews him. She just gives him plenty of room. She's great. She gives him all this room to tell stories, and he's a really good storyteller. Um, One of the funny ones that he tells is about him not being able to read music and, and how when he was a child, his mother insisted both he and Alex take classical piano lessons and she would enter them in contests, which both of them would usually win year after year. Um, but he fooled his teacher that he could read music. We continued to take piano lessons. And uh, the funny thing is, I never learned how to read music. And I fooled the teacher. I was just blessed with good ears. I'd, w- I'd watch his fingers and, and emulate what he did. You know, he didn't find out until much later that I couldn't read. Uh, uh, yeah, she found out one time when he was playing a new piece of music, and he asked me to turn the page for him. And I'm sitting going. <laughs> he goes, what's the matter? You're supposed to turn the page. And I'm going, what? I can't read. He's going, what? <laughs> you know, this was after like five years of lessons with the guy. And yeah, that, that that probably didn't go over very well. Yeah. It's interesting because Eddie did a lot of, you know, we played a little earlier. We played a song called Little Guitars where Eddie plays uh, flamenco guitar, which is Spanish guitar. Eddie doesn't know how to play flamenco guitar or Spanish guitar. He cheated his way through that, too. He was trying to work on <laughs> work on that technique. It was one of the techniques. And again, as we mentioned, we'll tell you about Eddie Van Halen taking guitar lessons. He was trying to work out that technique of flamenco guitar, which is a special style of Spanish guitar. And Valerie Bertinelli, who was his wife at the time, as the story goes, heard him start to play it. And she runs into the room to go, oh, Oh my God, Eddie, congratulations. You've reached a new plateau and you're playing. And she found out that he was just picking the lower string or the high string, high E string and taking his fingers over the top of the amp, uh, over the top of the neck, mm. like he would do when he would tap the guitar and cheated his way through it. She was like, you son of a, yeah. how dare you? Yeah. Fake it till you make it, as they say, you know, and, uh, 
100.7 KSLX. So he really is one of my favorite people. Uh, this is this will be great because uh, I, you know you you hear me reference this occasionally that uh, D. Snyder's younger brother is one of my lifelong friends from right. from high school and actually junior high and high school in Baldwin, Long Island. So you called in a favor. I, first time ever, I called my buddy Mark yesterday. I was like, you know, I've never done this. He goes, it's not a problem. I said, no, I've really never done this because it's not a problem. And I said, I wanted to get you know D. Snyder's impression uh, if he has any stories of, about Eddie Van Halen. And um, so, so, so calling us from uh, where. He parts unknown is the one and only D Snyder. Good morning, D. Thank you for taking time out for us. Hey guys, uh, you know it's 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 not a problem for Mark. Absolutely, it was. A, but Mark was had my brother was having trouble getting a hold of me because we're in the middle of a major move into a, a house. So like all hell's breaking loose, and he actually thought something happened to me because I wasn't returning his messages <laughs> or calls yesterday. But I'm glad to uh, speak to you guys. Well, not glad because thanks. You know, you're calling me about Eddie V, and and it's certainly shocking and sad for sure. It is. Um, so, so you guys must have played some festivals together. Just tell us any any time you guys crossed paths that was memorable to you. Well, I got three things to say about it. You know, I, I'm on more than three, actually. You know me, uh, but you know, I mean, th- this guy. I remember it was the '70s. Um, me and Mark the Animal Mendoza are driving home from New Jersey to Long Island after a cl- Twisted Sister Club show late at night and some DJ premieres late, late at night. Like we're talking about four in the morning, right? He's premiering Eruption. Right. And we heard, heard that guitar solo and what the hell is that? Yeah. It was like, it was that moment and you, we looked at each other and said, the game has changed. Yep. Like, Guitar playing will never be the same because before that you were either a showman or you were a technician. Right. You know, or you were a guy who ran around on stage and, but you really didn't play particularly great, but you ran around. And then there was the guys who stood there like Steve Howe with the guitar up around his neck. Sure. You know, uh, impressing people with his dexterity. Yeah. And then Eddie Van Halen said, well, I'm going to do both. I'm going to run, jump, laugh, slide, and I'm going to be as technical as anybody's ever been, even more so. Right. So the game changed forever, and point. he launched a million guitar players. Millions and millions decided to play guitar after seeing, hearing him and seeing him. So that was just a game changer. All right, so, so at a certain point, you guys... Because you you break nationally, and all of a sudden you are sometimes running in those same circles. So you must have met him. I met him, but in the most un- unusual and incredible way. Um, and it was not. Uh, we never toured together. We never played together. We never socialized anything. Wow. Here it is. You've got heard, you've heard of the NAM. Uh, yes. The NAM uh, convention every year. It's a national association of music music makers. And I was there um, with Leslie West, hanging out with Leslie West. Leslie was there, you know, guitar legend from Mountain. And uh, everybody loves and respects Leslie. He made his mark, certainly, in the, in the guitar community. And I'm hanging out with him. And there's going to be the NAM jam. And Leslie's playing. So it's the afternoon. Leslie's sound checking. And Leslie's on stage. He's sound checking. And I've got a folding chair. And I literally put it on the stage. There's nobody there. It's just, and just Leslie's backup band, Leslie, and I'm sitting on the chair, and Leslie's playing, and I'm literally within, you know, three feet 
of Leslie. I'm, on, I'm doing an interview. Oh, my God. My, one of the construction guys is asking me for a minute. Uh, <laughs> you give me a minute. Okay. Um, so, uh, and, and Leslie's playing, and all of a sudden, Eddie Van Halen walks out with a guitar around his neck, plugs in, and stands on the other side of my folding chair. I'm sitting on a folding chair with Leslie West on one side. I mean, a foot away, and and Eddie Van Halen on the other side, and they start having a guitar battle. Wow. And, uh, and I'm literally, I'm going, this, is anybody getting a photo of this? I mean, there's nobody there for this. It's just the two of them facing off, but with love and admiration, mind you, because Eddie's a big fan of Leslie West. Right. And I am the only person sitting for a solo concert performance with Eddie Van Halen and Leslie West. Nice. And that is the, and I never, and, and that, that was the only time I ever saw him, was near him, met him, experienced him, other than seeing Van Halen in concert. Uh, and, but, uh, and it was mind blowing to be up that close to a person who plays like that. Incredible. That is a great story. Yeah. Did, did, and, so- and here's how great Eddie Van Halen was when a guy like Dee Snyder fanboys for somebody, you know it's good because D is an alpha male. He's not a guy that, that is impressed by much. Were you, were you afraid to stand up? Did you, like, remain seated for fear of being reprimanded? Dude, seriously. I mean, I sort of was sandwiched in between these guys, trading licks, and I'm like, what do you do? Do I clap? Do I, do I act casual? Do I freak out? You know, it's like, because uh, Leslie West is one of my personal guitar favorites, right. and, uh, and and I'm a, I, I didn't know what to do. I'm trying to find that middle ground yeah. of being interested yet not too crazy, you know. And uh, <laughs> it, it was just bizarre. But I got one more Eddie Van Halen story. Go for and, it. Uh, this one is in yeah. mine. Yeah, go for it, it. My guitar player Eddie Ojeda, who is a great guitar player, but he's no Eddie Van Halen. Uh, they were some at some event together, and he decides there's one way he can beat Eddie Van Halen. Arm wrestling. So he finds Eddie Van Halen's um, room in the hotel, bangs on, in a drunken rage, by the way, they were both drunk, bangs on the door and challenges them to an arm wrestle. Wow. <laughs> so wow. I liked, I'm proud to say that the guitar player from Twisted Sister, Eddie Fingers Ojeda, can beat Eddie Van Halen in an arm wrestle. Okay, so uh, my guitar player is better than Eddie Van Halen. Uh, well, at the late Eddie Van Halen at arm wrestling. Yeah, well, yeah. just That's anything. Just leave that last part off. <laughs> yeah, and it just sounds like it he's there, a better yeah. player. Yeah, so. yeah, we're on with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he, he beat Eddie Van Halen. Yes, yeah. they were they were cutting heads, and, and Eddie Ojeda <laughs> came out the victor. So, D, uh, thank exactly. you, thank you so much for taking the time to check in. Really do appreciate that. It's you know we're Baldwin Strong here is what's happening. Um, we're, we're Nassau Absolutely. County Brothers. When I, when I do publish my book, Frats, Mark, I'll be definitely talking to you excellent. about it since you were in a fraternity. But I got to go. The construction guy needs me. Oh, excellent. Okay. Perfect. Uh, Thank you so much, Dee. Take Bye-bye. care. Appreciate there it. There you go. There goes Dee Snyder, uh, that, Twisted Sister Frontman. That is front so funny. Uh, fantastic uh, stories. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, his his brother is a very good friend of mine. And that's, right. I called, it, called in the favor there. because We just wanted to get some insight into Eddie Van Halen. That's, that's an interesting one right there. Being stuck in that folding chair between them is like... Holy cow. What are you, big time in me? <laughs> I am. Uh, <laughs> a little I, bit. I called in the favor, man. All right. So, um, <clears throat> look, there's, uh, we got to wrap this thing up because, uh, because, uh, uh, Randy Scott's got to come in and, and we got to call it a day. And, uh, this has been, uh, both 
good and bad. It's it's cathartic because you have a moment to eulogize somebody that was a big part of us growing up. And Mark and I have a little bit of a distance in in age, but yet both of us have unique experiences with Van Halen, the band, and uh, we both have passed Eddie Van Halen uh, in the hallways here and there throughout our careers. Um, and the world is a little less cool without Eddie Van Halen in it. He died yeah. yesterday at the age of sixty five. Um, I, I want to finish with something. I know you have uh, you have Valerie Bertinelli's. Uh, tweet that was it caused me to cry yesterday and you'll probably do it again i wrote something yesterday on social media and it's been getting a lot of attention and i think it sums up uh what eddie van halen sort of meant to me mm-hmm. and based upon the feedback a lot of people have said it, it sort of speaks for them so i'd like to read that as my closing eulogy for it for eddie if that's possible yeah do it do so it here's a a thing about eddie van halen there's and so edward van halen is gone I did not know the man, yet he felt like a childhood friend. We never want to see our friends grow old and infirm. We never want to watch them suffer. We never want to lose them. Selfishly, we want to see them as we remember them. In Eddie's case, in overalls with the poodle haircut, striped high tops, holding a weirdly painted guitar. We never want to lose that picture because it reminds us of the one resource we can never replenish, time. For me, Van Halen represented youthful innocence. They were the good time party band. There was never any danger in Van Halen. It was never salacious. Even when you saw the overt sexism in their videos, it was done with a wink. It never seemed degrading, more like childish fun. It always seemed to have good times as the end game, and we never heard of domestic abuse, overdoses, or DWI arrests. They never seemed to bend the rebellious toward the felonious. They just partied, and we were always the welcome guests. Eddie smiled the whole time. See, he had his personal demons, but they were personal. We never saw them, save for Tucson in 2004. He was never arrogant in his celebrity. He always came across as humble and gracious and even awkwardly reticent. A reluctant guitar hero, a rock star who eschewed the title he'd earned, and we all rooted for him. Edward was just Eddie, and Eddie is gone now. With him goes a part of my childhood and early adulthood. He was the bond that cemented many a friendship. And when I auditioned for bands, the question always got around to, do you know any Van Halen? If they did, we knew we were going to work out. When we lost a member and we auditioned potential new bandmates, they had to love Van Halen too. And if they did, the audition usually went well, especially if they knew how to wall beers. And Van Halen's no, Van Halen fans know what I'm talking about. I spent several hours tonight with fans from all over the world. We congregated and shared stories and we listened to great tunes and we threw a final party for our friend Eddie. Here's hoping he found peace. His family grieves and here's hoping they are somewhat comforted by the fact that for one night tonight, we are all Eddie's family. At least he made us feel that way. Sleep well, Edward. Thank you for being the soundtrack to every great party and for sharing your gift with us. My life is more fun because you were here. Nice. You want to put that, can you put that uh, that music track on again? You want to hear that again? Yeah, I, yeah. I always love that one. Yeah, it's a, it's a um, piece called 316, which, yeah. by the way, was written by Eddie for his son. It was something that he used to play on Valerie's stomach when she was pregnant with Wolfgang Van Halen. And mm-hmm. it's named 316 because that is the date of, of Wolfgang's birth, yeah. March 16th. Um, so I won't even bother with the story about the... Uh my uh, my friend down the hall in college playing Eruption with all the lights out and just a strobe light on. <laughs> We're in a different mood right now. But I'll just read something. Somebody sent it to me yesterday. It's Valerie Bertinelli's Instagram page. She put up a picture of her and Eddie Van Halen holding Wolfgang Van Halen. It's probably from, oh, 38 years ago, at, you know, 40 years ago, something like that. Wolfgang looks like he's maybe six months old. 
Yeah. So he was born. He was born in '91, I believe. So right around. Oh, okay. So yeah. okay. Yeah. So so about thirty some odd years ago. Right. Um, he's got a full head of jet black hair already. It's really funny. And they, of course, both have spectacular heads of jet black hair. Um, and she she wrote this. Forty years ago, my life changed forever when I met you. You gave me the one true light in my life, our son Wolfgang. Through all your challenging treatments for lung cancer, you kept your gorgeous spirit and that impish grin. I'm so grateful, Wolfie and I. We're able to hold you in your last moments. I'll see you in our next life. Listen to Mark and the Interpol when you get to work with the free KSLX app. Sounds good and loud, huh? 100.7 KSLX. Season's greetings. Hey Dude Shoes here. Hey Dude Shoes are some of the comfiest, coziest shoes out there. Step into a pair and it's like your toes have gone home for the holidays. Welcome home, toes. Hey Dude, good to go to. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel anytime. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.